really is a gift to be a part of a global church. It's a gift to come together in worship on a Sunday and to hear different languages. Uh, for some of you, you have considered being missionaries around the globe. And uh, for some of you, this is a gift. You don't have to pay for it. You can come right here to New Hope and experience what it's like to be halfway around the world and seeing and hearing different languages and worshiping together. It's good to be um, back with you. Today, we are going to continue in a sermon series that I have titled or is titled Dependent. We're in a season of Thanksgiving, as you know. How many of you feel ready for Thanksgiving? Oh, a couple of you. All right. Those of you that are hosting dinners probably didn't raise your hand, I bet, right? Or hosting family and friends. But uh, those of you that are attending are fully ready to go and be a part of it all, right? Uh, so that is great. But um, this series that we are in called Dependent is a series that is reminding us that um, we need to be grateful. And there are seasons in life, there are times in our lives when thanksgiving is, uh, is a good reminder. Sometimes we get so busy and we get lost. And the big idea of this series that we have been working through is that a thankful heart is always a dependent heart. As we grow in our awareness of who God is, as we grow in our thanksgiving and our gratitude for who God is, we deepen our dependence on him and our awareness of what he has done for us in our lives. Last week we discussed the idea that gratefulness isn't dependent upon our circumstances. And we were digging in a little bit to the, uh, a Psalm 107 that was teaching us about the fact that no matter where we find ourselves in life, we can find ways to give thanks. It's not necessarily giving thanks for the things that we go through, but it's giving thanks in the midst of, as Paul would say in Thessalonians, give thanks in everything. And so we, we really tried to press into the idea that gratefulness isn't dependent upon our circumstances. We know that that's not easy, right? We know that it's not easy to give thanksgiving when life is not going the way you want it to. And that's why it's good that we have opportunities throughout the year to set time aside to be intentionally grateful and intentionally thankful. Well, this week I want to turn our attention to this key thought. And that is that when we feel alone, we can be thankful that we know a God who knows us intimately sees us constantly, and loves us unconditionally. Because sometimes the barriers to gratitude are rooted in our own fears and insecurities and anxieties about ourselves and about the situations we find ourselves in. And then we place all of those things ahead of God and we say, well, I've got to get some of that cleaned up before I can go and give him thanks. But that's not who he is. Thankfully, he knows us already. And that's what we heard read in this psalm. And that's a little bit about what we are going to unpack today. So when you feel alone, when you feel like you're struggling to find your way into gratefulness, know that you know a God who knows you already. He sees you constantly and he loves you unconditionally. 
So maybe you have your Bibles, maybe you have an electronic device, maybe it's through version, the Bible app, uh, any different way that you want to connect, you want to open up and look at Psalm 139 with me today. Uh, my Bible here is the New Living Translation, so if you hear uh, a few words that might be different than your version, uh, that's okay. Um, we uh, can hear it differently sometimes through the different translations and uh, sometimes I choose, just so you, that you know, I would choose the New Living Translation because the language is a little bit more accessible. Sometimes it's a little bit easier to understand, um, but there are other translations that are a little bit more literal and exact, and sometimes they're a little bit hard to understand. But uh, if I choose to read the New Living Translation, it's mostly because I like the, the accessibility of its language. I want to far, first start with this thought, and that is that God knows us intimately. Psalm 139, 1 through 6, you heard it read already. God knows us intimately. He says, O Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You have searched me. You know me. Right? He goes on to say, you know when I sit down, when I stand up. You know even my thoughts from afar. You perceive what I'm thinking. You know when I travel. You know when I'm sitting at home and I'm resting. You know everything that I do. You know what I'm going to say before I even say it. You go before me. You follow me. You're in front of me. You're behind me, right? You place your hand of blessing upon me. Such knowledge is just simply too wonderful for me. It's too great for me to understand The psalmist is declaring God's intimate knowledge after being searched, after being made vulnerable, right? You know me. You know everything about me. Not just what I'm doing, but also why I'm doing it. You know my actions, but you know my motives as well. It's an interesting idea. He's going before us. He's following us. The thought of God searching him and knowing him and knowing his deepest and his darkest secrets. Knowing his thoughts. Knowing what he's going to say before he says it. It's overwhelming to him. Think about your closest friends. Think about your family. Think about your spouse. Think about those who you think know you super well. And just imagine, in the case of at least your friends, because hopefully your family would stick by you, but maybe they wouldn't. But hopefully your family would stick by you. But at least in the case of your BFF, like imagine if they really knew you deep, deep, deep down. They knew everything about you. Imagine you were utterly exposed. To them. Would they stick by you? Some of you think your friends would, and and I hope they would. But some of you wonder. Some of you really wonder, if people really knew me, would they stick by me? And what the psalmist saying here is, you don't have to wonder if God's going to do that. You don't have to wonder if God's going to turn his eye on you. You don't have to wonder if if he's going to walk away from you because he already knows you and he's with you and he pursues you and he goes before you and behind you. He knows everything and he's sticking with you. That's the beautiful thing about being known so intimately. You don't have to wonder. God loves you. 
Gratitude for God's intimacy is where this should lead us to. It's, it's the gratitude that brings relief in the midst of our anxiety. Gratitude brings relief. It's kind of the relief, of the pressure valve from anxiety of stress, of those self-defeating attitudes that plague us. Gratitude for God's intimacy brings relief in the midst of our anxiety. That's our first point. God knows us intimately and he invites us to give him thanks for that. And that in turn can bring relief to our anxiety. The second point today, if we look at verses 7 through 12, is that we simply can't hide from God. Some of us get uncomfortable from that. Here's a question for you. How many of you know how many times a day that you are photographed? Anybody want to take a guess? How many times a day do you think you are photographed? Call it out. Hmm? By anybody. Any, anywhere, anything. How many times a day? Hmm? 100. I hear 100. I'm going to go higher, lower. 50, 150. Think about home surveillance. Think about traffic cameras. Think about friends taking your pictures. Think about selfies. Think about elevators. Think about street cameras. All the different places you find yourself when you walk into Wegmans, you're on a camera. When you are at a gas station, you're on a camera. You know that on average, 100 was a little high, 150 was too high, it was about double. On average, 75 times. 75 times a day, you are photographed in some way, shape, or form. And yes, the government does it a lot. But it's not just the government. It's private businesses. It's anywhere you go. Now think about that. 75, like in some ways, that makes you feel uncomfortable. 75 times I'm photographed? But with God, you're on full display all the time. So if 75 times made you feel uncomfortable, think of it in an unlimited context, and that's the God that you serve. What does the psalmist say? He says, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. I can go to heaven. I can go down below the earth. I can ride on the wings of the morning, which is kind of a reference to from sun up until sundown. If I go all the way to the farthest oceans, that's kind of the idea there. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your strength will support me. You know what? I could live into my sinfulness. I could live into darkness, trying to hide from you. But even there, you would find me. Because with you, Darkness doesn't exist. With you, darkness is as light. Where can I go? There is nowhere to hide from you. I'd like to draw your minds back to the the garden. Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve have eaten of the apple. This is in Genesis chapter 3. They've eaten of the fruit of the tree. And as they've taken this fruit, all of a sudden they've become aware of some things. They've become aware of their separation so much so that they run and they try to hide and then there's this great verse there that god's like hey adam where are you and sometimes we could read that right like i don't know where you are 
How many of you think that God didn't know where Adam was? Truth be told, of course he knew where Adam was, but what was he trying to call out in Adam? Like, you're trying to hide from me. I know something's not right. Why don't we deal with it? Because in reality, you can't hide. And, and what has happened there? It says that they were ashamed. Shame. Shame separated them. Shame destroys intimacy. Shame destroys intimacy and it blocks our gratitude. It happens in our relationships with each other. It happens certainly in our relationship with God. It happens with our friends, with our co-workers. We, we have things that break down in our lives. We have things that go south, that go wrong, things that we're not comfortable with. And what do we do? We try to retreat. We simply want to hide. We don't want to deal with the fallout. We don't want to deal with the consequences. But the reality is we just can't hide from God. We just can't get away from him. He calls out to us. He knows already. And here's the comforting thought. He still loves us. He still loves us. Because just as shame blocks gratitude, so gratitude blocks the shame that destroys intimacy. As we become more grateful, we become more dependent on God, we become more open and we become more vulnerable to God. And, and that destroys the shame because there is nothing that can be hidden anymore in God's presence. And so as we are more grateful, as we are more thankful, it blocks that shame and it restores that intimacy with God. Third thought for today, he made us intentionally. Now I'm looking at verses 13 through 18. What does he say? He says, you made all of the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. How many of you think you're wonderfully complex? We can celebrate the word wonderful, right? And we can celebrate the complex, right? But when you put them together, I am wonderfully complex. That's me, right? Because there is just so much at play in those words. You know, for many of us, the challenge of coming to terms with ourselves, the challenge of coming to terms with our bodies, with our ways of thinking, with our habits, coming to terms with who we are is one of the greatest challenges that we ever face. We know the challenges that we have, and we know the ways that we try to hide from others. We know the ways that in some ways we try to hide from ourselves. We know it gets uncomfortable because we're afraid in many cases of the rejection that might come as a result of it. It is a difficult and uncomfortable process that many of us live with on a daily basis. And in some cases in that journey, it's hard to separate who we are from what we do because we walk around in this world and so many times we find ourselves judged or we feel like we're being judged and it's largely based upon what we do, not necessarily who we are. It's all of that gets mixed up and then 
we really have a hard time saying, thank you, God, for making me who I am. With God, there is no hiding who you are. And as Christians, we believe that God made us very intentionally. That can be uncomfortable again. But it doesn't necessarily need to be because of this psalm. God thinks about you. I love the idea that uh, he says here, he says, uh, what does he say? When I woke up, you were still there. I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm feeling stressed, when I'm feeling overwhelmed, when I'm feeling like I just want to get away from it all, the, the one thing I want to do is just go sleep. That's, that's just me. I don't know about you, but I just, I want to go to sleep because I'm just, I can't take it and I want to get away from it all. And that's the idea. I go to sleep, but then he says, like, when I wake up, you're still there. You're supposed to leave me alone, God, but I woke up and you're still there. That's the uncomfortable and thing that we should be giving thanks for. He doesn't leave us. He never leaves us alone. I want us this morning to take from these verses that we can be thankful for the way you have been made. You are wonderfully complex. And God absolutely loves you for who you are. And I hope you can hear that today. I hope you can receive that. Because I know some of you are still working through it. But man, this is the God that we know and love and serve. He knows you. And he loves you, and he made you intentionally. I assure you this morning that there is no better place to explore the vast complexity of yourself than in the loving embrace of the one who made you. Your purpose, your plan can only be realized fully in the context of the one who made you for such a time as this. Amen? And we move into these very difficult verses, 19 through 22. And some scholars have said these verses, they seem like they were added after the fact. They just don't seem to fit. He says, oh God, if only you would destroy the wicked. After all of this gratefulness, after all of this awareness and this, you know, being made vulnerable and being open. He says, if you just destroy the wicked, it just doesn't seem to fit. You get to that verse, you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't flow. So some scholars have said, well, maybe that just got thrown in after the fact. But, but that's not the only way we can interpret that, right? And, and sometimes that's, that's our natural reaction. When we get to verses in Scripture that we don't like, we're like, well, that just doesn't fit. Let's just set that aside, and I'll focus on the ones I like to hear. And I think what we need to do is look at these verses in context. If we, if we study this for a minute, we just say, look at the way that the psalmist has said, I'm I've been searched, I've been examined, I'm open, I'm an open book, you know me, you, you love me, you knit me together, all this wonderful stuff. God, why is it so hard? Why is it so hard to live in this world? Why is it so hard when there's so many people beating me down or pushing back against me? Or why do I feel so judged? Why are my insecurities on display all the time? God, would you just take care of this stuff? 
Can you hear the, the lament? Can you hear the, the cry for help, the plea in his voice? Like, I just, I, I'm uncomfortable, God. I don't like this. Take care of this for me. I think it fits. I think it fits in this psalm. It's jolting. It's uncomfortable. But how many of us can relate? It's one thing to be on full display. It's one thing to be an open book. But it's another thing to, to know that I'm, I'm pushing back against the world. And the world's pushing back against me. And it's uncomfortable. God, just take care of it. That's the beautiful thing about the psalms is they, they're honest. And we can be honest. And the psalmist was honest. And the only thing I would caution you with these verses here, he says, I hate them with a hatred for your enemies and my enemies. I hate them with a pure motive. Like, I just want to draw your attention to the New Testament for a minute. Matthew 5.42. Some of you will know that this is a, this is a time when Jesus was speaking to the people in a, in a passage called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus says very clearly, he says, You have heard that it was said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Right there. Like, I hate that David. Very clear. I hate the people that hate you. Jesus said, you've heard that. But I tell you this. You need to love your enemies. And you need to pray for those who persecute you. There is a deeper ethic of love. There is a deeper commitment. There is a deeper call to love even those who are pushing back against us in the world. The uncomfortable nature of this. It doesn't mean that we don't cry out. It doesn't mean that we don't ask, as we talked about last week, Lord, help me. It doesn't mean that we're not honest with God. But when it comes down to it, we strive, we work hard to love those who are pushing back against us. To love our enemies, to pray with all of our hearts for those who are persecuting us. As a New Testament Christian, hold on to the whole truth about how to live your life in the way of Jesus. Be aware of all of these things. God made us intimately. We cannot hide from Him. He made us intentionally Lastly, he closes this psalm with this beautiful set of verses. In fact, the first verse, you'll notice the first verse and the last two verses, they kind of form a parenthesis around the entire psalm. In the first verse, he says, You have searched me and you know me. I'm an open book, God. And then he goes on in the last verse, he says, Now keep searching me and testing me to cleanse me because I don't want to have any offensive ways in me. You know me, now keep knowing me because I want to stay connected to you because I want to live with you eternally. And that is how Psalm 139 ends. It is a beautiful call. Search me, O God. And know me, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. See if there be any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, one thing I want to just caution you. When you see the words eternal life, please do not associate eternal life with something that comes after this life. 
Eternal life starts right here, right now. It is another way to say the kingdom of God is among us. When we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, eternal life starts right now. We are to be making the impact right now that we will experience in eternity. And so it says, lead me unto eternal life. It starts now. It's not in the future only. Always, always, when you read the phrase eternal life, think kingdom of God, think here and now. Think God knows all of this. He created all of it, and he's in the work of redeeming all of it. That means you, that means me, that means creation, that means all of it. And he has searched us, and he knows us, and it is a beautiful, beautiful thing to behold. Let me leave you with this thought today. And I'll invite, Tanya's going to come forward. She's going to sing a song that we will all be able to participate in in just a few minutes. We're going to give you some time to reflect, to be grateful, to be thankful. Can you go back to that last thing real quick there, guys? The closing thought is that you can trust God with your life and future. Because... His intimate knowledge of us has shown him to be trustworthy. There it is. You can trust God with your life and future because his intimate knowledge of us has shown him to be trustworthy. Hopefully that's an encouraging word for you today because I know the idea of being vulnerable, the idea of being exposed, the idea of being out there can be very disconcerting. But this is God we're talking about. This is not your BFF. This is not even your family. This is not your spouse. This is God we're talking about. This is the person who made you. And there is no safer place to be exposed, to be intimately known than in his presence. And in his love. As we spend a few minutes preparing our hearts this morning. This is a time where you might fill out your card and let us know things that we could be praying for you about with this subject. This is a time when you might tell us what you're grateful for. This is a time when you might just reflect on the words that you have just heard. Maybe you're preparing a tithe or an offering this morning as a way of worship, as a way of thanking God. And saying, thank you for my job. Thank you for the way that you care for me and my family. Thank you for the way that you provide for me. I just want to read a a Thanksgiving note, really. It came from Seed. Um, The person who runs Seed, Rose Brewer, she wrote us a a handwritten note. And some of you were here back on September 29th when we raised money to help... um, to help people in India. I won't go into all of the details of that, but uh, if you were here on Seed Sunday, you know that we took an offering. We took an offering that was dedicated. We took one of our weekly offerings and we just gave it all to what's happening over there. And here's what she said. Wow, wow, wow. You just raised and donated enough funds to help a conference in India to be self-sustainable for almost 21 years. Amen? Thank you, thank you, thank you. What a great way to start the Christmas season. We, you, you are a generous bunch. And I think that flows sometimes from our gratitude and our thanksgiving. I just want to extend how grateful I am for you. 
I want to invite you to be ready and prepared next Sunday. We're going to have a, a whole service that is just dedicated to thanksgiving, to testimonies. It's an opportunity for us to hear from one another what the Lord has been doing in our lives throughout this past year. And we open it up and you are free to share what the Lord has done for you. And that's next Sunday. That's our service. This is a season to be thankful. This is a season to be grateful. Not because of all the stuff that's going on around you and out there in the world, but just because of who God is. So we are thankful in everything. So use this time to prepare your hearts, whatever the Lord leads you to do. And then the worship team will lead us in a closing song.